Welcome to the Simple Self-Care Podcast, your weekly nudge to take good care. I'm your host, Randy Kay. A quick note and humble ask before we get started, this podcast is now officially on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as you cool kids are calling it now. Ratings and reviews make a huge impact on the success of this podcast. It's like iTunes gold. The more positive ratings and reviews, the higher rank it gets, and the more it gets suggested to new listeners. If you enjoy this podcast, please help me share the self-care love by leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean so much to me and would help get these weekly nudges out into the world. And speaking of nudges, let's get back to today's podcast, shall we? I'm very excited to bring you a recent discussion I had with the lovely Jessica Williams. Jess is currently known for her work with The Minimalists. She manages their social media, she's a jack of all trades while on tour with them, and she also co-produces her own podcast called The Mind Palace. But what you may not know about Jess is that she is incredibly insightful and wise about being on a difficult healing journey. Jess has dealt with an autoimmune disease ever since her teenage years and has been on quite the healing journey ever since to find health and happiness amidst the difficult diagnosis. I invite you to cozy up and take a listen to this intimate chat with Jess as she opens up about trusting your own intuition, feeling abundant and content instead of feeling deprived and without, the healing power of minimalism, bringing small doses of luxury into everyday life, learning how to have authority over your own body, and more. So thank you, Jess, for coming on my podcast and being my very first interview. I'm very honored to have you here. Dude, um, it's and- my pleasure. I can't believe I'm the first one. You have like you know so many cooler people, but I really, I really appreciate it. You've just snuck your way into my heart space, you know, so (laughs) happy to have you. So yeah, let's just start with, um, so Jess, we met through a book club through, I guess, roundabout through the minimalists, through Josh's partner, Becca, um, wanting me to be a part of your cool book club. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and that's been really fun to get to know you through that, but what sparked this conversation was I think we just decided like, Hey, let's talk on the phone and be friends. And then all of a sudden we got talking about like healing and the healing journey and both of our individual experiences with it. And it was just really valuable. So I'd love to have you uh, go deeper with me on that here in this interview. So if you could maybe give a background of where you're at on your own healing journey. Man, um, well, I mean, right now, I think I'm like desperately in the middle of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is awesome. And, <laughs> and I use the word desperately because technically, I don't really know where I'm at. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like you kind of think. I think that's one of the most confusing things about that, about like having a chronic, like a chronic illness or like health issues overall, is that when you're experiencing it, you actually don't know where you're at. Like you don't really know if you're at the beginning or the middle or the end, or if there is an end. So like, it just kind of feels like, I don't know. It Like, I know it sounds like such a simple question and like I'm turning mm-hmm. it into this like philosophical thing, but it's, <laughs> but it's true. It totally yeah. feels like you're always kind of like pedaling forward. And, and to be honest, like even after I've overcome the speed bumps that exist, like, you know, on the road to like, you know, good health, um, I'll probably just keep on pedaling to like optimization. Before we dig in deeper with Jess, where we talk more about being right in the thick of it in the less talked about unglamorous middle of a healing journey, let me sum up a bit of her backstory. The first signs of Jess's condition began with having chronic stomach issues in the third grade. When she was 16, she got mono and was out of school for months. This was the first time she learned that her immune system wasn't infallible. After that, a long series of urinary tract infections began at the age of 18. But at that time, there wasn't a lot of information out there on what else could be going on with her and how to treat it. She was treated with multiple rounds of antibiotics, up to four rounds at a time, and that continued on for about two years. With no signs of improvement, she was finally diagnosed with an ulcerated bladder in 2013 
At that time, she was living in LA with no awareness of what to do or how to treat it. We come back now to the conversation with Jess, where she talks about accepting the diagnosis and her steps in moving forward. It's a lot of like coming to understand. And I think it's also a lot of uh, constantly renegotiating yourself with yourself in terms of like the sacrifices that you need to make to be well. Because like, I just didn't, you think that you're like, okay, well, this next step is going to get me better. You know, like for me, this is what my experience was. It's like, well, well, you know what? I'll do this. And this girl with this blog said it's a good idea. And, and, And she healed herself naturally. And, you know, we don't have the same genetics, which means a lot actually. And we don't, you know, and there, so you just kind of keep on trying. And, um, and, and part of that, I think is like a struggle that is like, I don't know, it's like a constantly re-understanding of yourself of what your body needs. And um, yeah, I don't know. So it's, it's been pretty, pretty crazy since then. Um, I've gone on like several diets trying to make things better. And um, and it was, I mean, I found the AIP diet this past year and that's been one that like really works for me. It's autoimmune paleo. So it's, um, it's a pretty challenging diet. No nuts, no seeds, no grains, no soy, no dairy, no alcohol, no caffeine. Um, it's, it's strictly vegetables. And, and I try to stay away from the root vegetables at that, you know, so it's primarily like above ground, um, and it's, it's been challenging and there's so many, there's so much I could tell you. I feel like yeah, <laughs> I could go into it for a while. Well, there's a few things that you said that are interesting that I'd like to unpack a little bit. One thing you mentioned is like what I heard you say is learning how to trust the next step. So can you talk a little bit more about that process of like, okay, I did this one thing. Now I have, I'm diagnosed with this thing how were you able to sift through the chaos to be able to know like what you should do next? Wow. That's a really great question. I think that when you start to feel unwell and you can kind of like see that you're, you're not infallible and that, um, that things can fall apart and things cannot work right. It can be really challenging and, um, it can kind of make you look inward and feel like there's something terribly wrong with you. And when you lose that confidence, your intuition really wavers. And um, that really sucks because your intuition, like for me, like having a good intuition is like the ultimate thing now that I've learned that that guides me. But when I feel like when something's so chaotic as a, you know, an incurable autoimmune disorder, which by the way, it costs $900 for the medication if I wanted to go like a different route, it makes your hair fall out, it makes you gain weight, it increases suicide rates and depression. Wow. Um, it's called Emelron. It's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when when it, when it feels like a very slow moving car accident is plopped into your lap and you <laughs> have to try and figure out how to mitigate it, your intuition kind of, for me, it kind of fell away because I felt like I felt so broken, you yeah. know, and it, and it took a lot of me trying to recognize um, that I needed to actually listen to, listen to myself more. And pay attention to my needs a little bit more and not be so self-sacrificing. Um, especially like as women, we're kind of, we generationally, like, you know, gender wise, like we, we more, we sacrifice more a lot because I mean, we have infants and, and like, you know, if you look at it from a primal perspective, like someone who isn't self-sacrificing, like it's very hard for them to take in care of infants. So it's, it's deeply ingrained in us to be self-sacrificing and it's really challenging to to fight against that for a time and say that I have to take care of myself. Right. So how did you rebuild your trust with your intuition? Um, I think it was a series of like uh, testing like decisions. Like I, I think when I make decisions about my health or about anything, I really take note with how I feel about the decision after. And I don't know how else to describe that. It's almost like in your stomach, you kind of feel it, you know, if it's bad, you kind of get this weird twisty knot and you're like, no, that like, that isn't right. And, and uh, yeah, I guess, man, that's such a good, like, that's such a good question. I think, I think a lot of it too, is like being willing to be humble and ask for help. And 
to like when somebody seems to extend an olive branch, like <laughs> you ask them if you can climb the tree instead and, and really right. ask them to guide you on like what, on what you should do next. Because I mean, there are people that have been there before you and, and man, like I'd love to help anybody who is going through the same thing I am because it sucks. It's hard. The first big win Jess felt in her struggle to feel better was when she decided to move from her stressful life in L.A. to a slower rhythm in Hawaii. She had moved to L.A. with her husband Matt in hopes of making a name for themselves and their careers. Matt was working and still works in the film industry, and Jess was working in art galleries. But the stress of their highly ambitious lifestyle was starting to wear on them, and for Jess it triggered severe panic attacks, rash breakouts, and more. Jess said that she had to rework the way she saw herself being successful because she was killing herself over these jobs. So they took a risk, let go of their salaried jobs with benefits, and started a new life for themselves in Hawaii. At first, it was quite overwhelming, but it didn't take long for her to let go and slow down. It was a lot of stress. It was a culmination of stress. And then I realized, like, slowly, like, we lived in the jungle, and I was just kind of, like, slowly shedding, like these perceived responsibilities and and not only that but like I don't perceive things that I must be stressed about and I mean I'm still a very I'm probably a very high stress person (laughs) um but I at least got to see it clearly yeah it was like a magnifying glass on there yeah so your time in Hawaii was very healing for you then yeah yeah I found um an acupuncturist it was a it was amazing it was a healing it was, it was a, it was a, it was like they had multiple beds in one room so they could work on multiple patients at a time. So it was a community clinic um, and it just made it very, it was very inexpensive because of that. It was $40 a session. Um, so I would go in for acupuncture like every week, sometimes twice a week um, and, chi- you know, Chinese herbs and, um, and actually like one of the biggest things that helped me like get out of it was like Chinese medicine and going to um, going to doctors in Chinatown and uh, they, they read your pulses. It, I mean, it sounds so like, you know, it sounds so woo woo. And, and, and really what that <laughs> means when I say that is that I don't know the science and it doesn't, you know, it didn't involve a microscope when it was discovered. So. <laughs> right. It's a good point. It's a good way to put it. Right. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, that was a huge thing, but also just like the rain, the waterfalls, like it, it made, it silenced everything on the outside so that everything on the inside was like a lot more, (laughs) it was a lot louder. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really powerful. I think, Uh, and something that, you know, seems simple to do like, oh yeah, I just need to like calm down and chill out but you really do, (laughs) you know, and doing that is actually, it can be hard. It can be somewhat complicated to sift through and find like your recipe of doing that. But there is like this inner wisdom within that we got to figure out how to access somehow. So that's cool that Hawaii was able to do that for you. And that even it nudged you loud enough amidst the stress in LA that you were able to hear it and, and go there, you know? Yeah, it was really like, I think like the intuition side is a lot stronger than we all think. And it, and like to actually like regard, get to give yourself a voice, I guess is like, it's, a, I mean, that's a really like, that's a very challenging thing. Like to give yourself, like to, to put stock in your own words, because like, you know, your own faults and you know, like where you're imperfect and like it takes a lot of like trying to see yourself as a multifaceted person and saying like yes like sometimes I'm wrong sometimes I fail like sometimes I'm not the friend or the daughter or the wife or whatever it is like that you want to be but like that doesn't negate the fact that like that I have a voice and that like the my thoughts and the way that I feel like the way that the stress is bothering me or like whatever like you know, my needs, wants, and desires are like, that's not completely null. And like, it doesn't, like, you don't have to sacrifice that to be successful. And in fact, you actually need to embrace that more to be successful. Right. So have you been able to turn this autoimmune disease into something you're grateful for, like, or something that serves you in some way? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I'm a totally I'm a totally different person. Um I, I mean, I feel like I am. I don't know. It's it's kind of hard. Like when there's people that have known you for years and you're like, I'm a totally different person. And then <laughs> you do something and they're like, well, kind of, <laughs> you know, like, and you got to know it yourself. I mean, it always, you know, you're always kind of the same in some ways, but yeah, like I, I think a lot of, I, I had this friend in Hawaii, her name is Caitlin, and she was going through a lot of the same stuff I was, like just a lot of gut issues and um, and health issues. And one of the things she said was that it's, she liked, she, she was going through like a lot of neurological issues with hers because it affects people in different ways. And um, she was saying that like when she was really at her, at her worst, she would listen to uh, people talk about like like twelve step program podcasts and stuff like that. It was so fascinating to me, like to think about that because, you know, having an autoimmune disorder, it makes you feel really different, and you have to engage with the world in a totally different way than you were before. So, I mean, like with alcoholics, you know, they like they socialize with alcohol. That's how they relax. That's how they cope with like negative or positive feelings. And and for us who like, don't consider ourselves addicts. Like a lot of times we do the same thing with food, um, but it's not alcohol and it doesn't have a warning label on it all the time. So it doesn't really feel as bad. And it's also like socially acceptable. We like celebrate with cake during birthdays and it's just right. like, it doesn't really, it doesn't really elicit the same feelings, even though if you look at it from a very objective standpoint, you know, sugar and alcohol really rival each other. So, I mean, it, it felt kind of like having to like break an addiction and, and it was breaking for me. Like, I mean, obviously food is a huge part of like my approach to healing and I felt like I had to break an addiction with food and like not, not in the sense that we would think of a food addict, but just like using food for something other than fuel. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it really pulls you out. So you can't like, you can't socialize as, as easily in certain ways. So I got to, I feel like I, I feel like I got to see something that like not everyone gets to see. And I'm not like, I'm not bragging about it because it's hard. Like it it really, it really is difficult, but like, I feel like I was able to see something that other people maybe don't get to see or don't get to see until they're older. And, um, even though it's been really, really hard, I feel like, I feel like I'm so much more like a authoritative in my own life mm-hmm. um I feel like I take my health so much more seriously and I'm grateful for it <laughs> like sometimes when I'm feeling bad I just think of a body part that I have that doesn't hurt and I think about it and I'm like okay I'm like I'm in a lot of pain right now but this pinky finger <laughs> this pinky finger is doing me really good right now <laughs> so like, yeah I'm so grateful that I have a healthy pinky finger like whatever it is like you just kind of it's kind of like trying to figure out ways to like, see, yeah, like see things, see things for, for the better. And, um, and you know, I also like, I mean, this is huge now. I, I feel like every person I, I meet, I mean, maybe not every person, but a lot of people like are having this issue now. And I think we're realizing that not only chronic stress, but like the processed foods that we've been fed for years and the chemicals and the cosmetics and the cleaning supplies, um, the pollution. I mean, all of that is contributing to something that like, we really don't have a lot of power over. Um, like there's like a hundred and there's over a hundred autoimmune disorders, according to like most, like it can't be cured when you go to the doctor, they don't really like, so it's, it's weird. It's this thing where we have to be patient. Like we have to try and like work with ourselves and work with nature to make something happen. And, um, I don't consider myself a feminist in the traditional way that people see it today. Um, however, we do have like a very, we have a very masculine society and no matter where you stand on that issue. Right. Um, the concept of brute strength mm-hmm. and like get it done fast and right, you know, like in working against nature, like I, it makes me think of like construction sites. Like it's a very like, masculine approach to things and I think it actually is like a more feminine approach to kind of work with to work with yourself and to not fight it and that's hard for us because we want control but like it's a balancing act and you have to like I don't know you have to kind of like give yourself up to 
the idea that maybe you'll never be like the ex- in the exact place that you want it to want yourself to be. And it's almost like you have to be okay with not getting well because sometimes wanting it so bad can like cause you to be in more pain, you know, or like more, go through more. I don't know how else to put it. Um, so in a way, like it's actually taught me contentment. Hmm. That's pretty incredible, actually, <laughs> like a huge blessing. And I do think that, you know, you're talking about masculine and feminine, like those energies, there has to be both and in anything really. And to go like full bore headstrong into healing, like sometimes that is helpful, but that brute strength is going to be more effective if you balance it out with that subtle, still small, like not even small, but just like sneaking its way in there, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. way yeah. of approaching, like really integrating it into who you are. And, and like you said, being patient with it, letting it be this path that there's not necessarily this end game, but you know, you're using more of that masculine energy with your self-discipline, you know, to be able to go about all of those restrictions and, you know, feeling empowered in your body, like that's your masculine right there. But then you're also tuning into your intuition. You're being patient. You're countering that with that like loving gentleness. And, and that's all working together, I think, in a very positive way for you. Yeah, that's such a beautiful way of putting it. Like, yeah, because there has to be a balance between like the feminine and masculine. Like in my opinion, I kind of like, I, I think it's like a really like, it's a really beautiful thing to like, kind of like see how those two approaches can like, like come together in a way that like, that serve each other, you know, like the discipline that's required to like, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to do yoga every day. And like, you know, I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to stand politely firm. Like if I go to a party and somebody offers me food, you know, and I have to like try and like, it's yeah. I don't know. You put it pretty succinctly, actually. <laughs> um, so along the lines of, um, you know, finding that balance, I guess from Hawaii to where you are now, like how has your relationship with your illness evolved and how you said you're still like in the muck of it, but like, yeah, how is it different than maybe it was in LA and how, like, what's your current, like, like where you're at checking right now. Yeah. I think, um, so like right now I'm living in Chicago and I am, you know, I started seeing like, you know, like a G a really good GP, um, who, um, you know, or like, I guess like, what would be the name a functional medicine doctor? Um, and like having that guidance has been really amazing. Like I've gotten every kind of, um, test that you can imagine done. Not, I guess not imagine, but all of the disgusting ones, at mm-hmm. least, you know, and, um, and, and like that, that's kind of, that's been a huge deal to actually kind of see what's going on in my system. Cause it really like, it can be challenging if you don't, if you don't know what's actually kind of going on, like if you can't look and say like, okay, like there's like this level is off and your T3 is low and, you know, maybe you have like for, in my case, like I have a mercury and aluminum toxicity. Um, and there's another compound that I found out recently. It's like, it's like a compound. It's a non-metal chemical that is found in the making of like tires. It's outrageous. I don't even know what? where it came from. It's crazy. And the, like the scale goes from like zero to 500 and I'm like 943 or something. It's like, so, um, ha- but anyways, having the, that, like that solid information was a crucial, crucial point for me because it was really important to see the numbers and say like, I'm not crazy because when you fall and you scrape your knee and you see that strawberry on your knee, like that's evidence and you don't feel nuts when you feel pain. But if you were to fall and like it were to hurt, like it were bleeding, but it wasn't bleeding, you would be like very confused. And and really like when, if you have something like an illness, that's like, you know, something that's going wrong with you and you can't see it. Sometimes it makes you feel a little nuts because like you can't count your, like the bacteria in your microbiome and see, Oh, like this number is off, you know? So having those numbers and like having the confidence to say like, 
you know, this is actually valid and, and I am mourning the loss of an old life and I am kind of like, because you do, it does change everything. Um, but then you're also like opening yourself up to be like this new person who is patient or more patient than they were before and hopefully smarter and hopefully has like, you know, more self-discipline. Um, but those, those numbers were a really crucial point for me, but yeah, like I'm still in the middle of it. Like the diet that I'm on right now is, is working really well for me. And like the doctors that I'm working with, um, I have a lot of confidence in it's been good, but it's an ongoing, like it's, it's super ongoing. And I feel like anybody who tells you otherwise, like, i.e. like, you know, people like in commercials, like who just tell you that it'll just, it's never just one thing. Like, I just feel, I feel like it's always a culmination of different things. Like every Monday I try and do a face mask and it's like not a big deal. It's not contributing to my like personal healing, like internally in the same way that vitamin B shots do but I feel better and I feel like I'm taken care of. Like when I go on tour, I use, um, I take, I take lavender oil with me and I put it in the bathtub and like the first night we don't usually have a show. So I take a lavender bath and it's like a word you used earlier that I really liked was integration or integrative approach. I feel like we kind of use that like integrative medicine, like that word is kind of tossed around a lot, but really like when you think about the term and how you can actually apply it to your life, it's, to me, it's like, it's integrated in everything and everything that I do, you know, like I'm, you know, trying, trying to use all the products that I can that, um, will serve me and that won't hurt me. And, you know, I'm, I'm currently on a mission to fill my plants or fill my house with plants to the point of humidity, you know, and, and I believe like that, that's a really healing thing. So it's just, it's not, I feel like it's never just one thing. It's a bunch of different things. And what's great about it is that a lot of the things that we experience, like a lot of the, a lot of the things that, that are required of us to be healed are actually, if they're in my opinion, like if they're like if they're good, then they'll also, for the most part, feel good. You know, so you start to not only do you start to feel better because these numbers are kind of you know going to a median and and they're kind of like getting back to where they should be, but like also you're kind of like bringing yourself to a point of like feeling satisfied or feeling, um, I don't know, not deprived. You know, you're right. feeling good. Yeah, I think that's really important to do is not always focus on what you can't have. Like, I can't have this or that or that. It's like, what are these things that really bring me joy that you could just, like, savor the shit out of, you know, and bring that with you wherever you're going? I think people underestimate the power of that. Like, there is still so much in this world to partake of. And I think if you can really, like, capture that in your brain somehow, it can diminish things that the harder things that you might have to restrict yourself from. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, totally. I think one of the most healing things for me is to have flowers like in my house. I'm like, I just like, I want a vase of flowers, like either on our living room table or our dining room table. And like, it just, it totally and completely changes changes the space. I mean, I work from home, so I'm home a lot, um, when I'm not touring and it's like, it's just something that you can, it's something that makes everything a little bit more beautiful. Um, when we were recording the mind palace, one of the episodes we did was, uh, it was called, it was about luxury and minimalism and, and it was about like putting small doses of luxury, like into your life every day, you know? And like, it's so easy for us to ignore that and and look at function and look at what's practical and what is necessary. And, and while that's a big aspect of, of being a minimalist that I, I'm, I really value. Um, it's also like, you don't want to, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be too much of a stoic, you know, like Mm -hmm. I want to smell flowers and I want to, I guess like stoic in the personality trait kind of sense, but yeah, but I want to like, you know, smell flowers and enjoy the world around me as much as I can. And, you know, cuddle with my dog and his microbiome will affect my microbiome. And, every, you know, I mean, those small things that really like, they, they add up so much. Yeah. I love that idea of adding luxury every day. That sounds so great. <laughs> um, so let's chat just a little bit more about 
minimalism and how that has been part of your healing. Because I do feel like, you know, minimalism kind of has this stigma of like, you can't have anything and you're da 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 da. But I found in my own minimalism journey, which is still very ongoing, um, but it de-stresses me and it clears my head and it actually brings me a lot of things instead of me feeling like I'm getting rid of everything. So could you talk a little bit about how that's helped you? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I uh, so I discovered the concept of minimalism like in 2012, 2013. Um, and that was actually when we wanted to move. Like we were originally moving to Phoenix, but we moved to LA and we had to fit everything we owned in a five by eight foot uh, trailer because you know I looked I had looked online I'm like oh I want to move to I want to move to like I want to move out west and then uh, we were looking at like prices for for U-Haul trailers and it was like oh like I want to move out west but I'm also graduating with thirty thousand dollars in debt so I don't really know like if this is a good idea to do it this way so um you know we started getting rid of everything and I mean not not everything but most things yeah, that's that's actually how I found Joshua and Ryan's blog at theminimalist.com and um it was huge. It gave me it gave me so much freedom and opportunity to do what I wanted with my life when I wanted it and not be restrained by being high maintenance. I mean, that's ultimately what it is. Like I don't mean to, you know, because that's really what it would be is like you know, I have to have x y and z in order to be happy and and really bringing yourself down to the bare bones so you could you know, pursue life with full force. But it served me deeply in the sense that I guess like it served me most like in the home. Um, and when I feel stressed out, I know that like things are a little chaotic and I even start kind of, I, I start getting rid of things when I get stressed because um, because it, it brings me back down to what's important. And, and it also prevents me from acting from a place of lack um because i am i am not in lack at all i live in like a country you know i think it's like if you make thirty thousand dollars you're in the top one percent of the world i mean and, and not to mention all of the resources that we have in the united states we have we have so much available to us and that to act from a place of lacked from a place of lack um i'm not saying that it's wrong but for me it doesn't always serve me very well right um so yeah, like acting from a place of like, it sounds again, like it sounds woo, but a place of like abundance. Yeah. The simplicity of also like the kitchen has been huge. Cause it's not to me, like because of all of the, all of the getting rid of that happened in other places in the home, when it got to the point where I was getting rid of stuff from my kitchen, uh, specifically from my pantry that I was like, you know, that I had bought that I had planned on eating. And then I went on this AIP diet and I have to remove so many things. It didn't feel as bad to remove. And I think that like actually deprivation, it, like it's not as big of a deal for me because like, I feel like I don't deprive myself regularly, but I have like, I've got, I feel like I've made the decision to go without. And, that, and that's totally different from when that's imposed on you from an external source. But I've made the, the decision to go without um, certain things for an extended period of time. So when it came to really like honing in on like some of the spe specifics of life when it comes to how much sleep you get or what you eat, I feel like it's been a little bit easier to make that transition because it doesn't feel like the end of the world when I don't get what I want every single time. Right. That's pretty amazing. I mean, when you think about like a person wanting to become content, a lot of times that's followed with like, well, once I have this, then I'm going to be content. And once I have this, then I'm going to be content. But you've gotten contentment from quite the opposite. Like you've got it from your illness. You've gained it from minimalism. Like that's just an incredible example and really inspiring, I think. Thanks. Yeah. It's been, it's, it's really, man, like it's, it like, it can feel such like such a crazy, difficult thing. And I think one of the biggest things that can serve you too, is like looking at it from a large, from like a large perspective, because it's really easy to look at the individual problems. Um, but I feel like when I'm able to back up away from it and see like the potential ripple effect, 
Um, you know, like maybe if I have family members that are sick or, you know, like, you know, when I have kids one day, like if they, you know, hopefully like I'll be able to raise them so that they want to experience like as many difficulties as I've had to, you know, and, and just trying to step back and say like, this is bigger than me, but like, it's also bigger than me. And that doesn't just mean like, it doesn't mean one thing. There's so many ways to take that. Yeah. That's amazing. So speaking of like passing it on and holding space for other people, like what kind of advice would you give people that are, um, you know, either just getting started trying to figure things out or they've been on this journey for quite a while and they're just like so frustrated? Mm, oh man. Take a lavender bath. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that's number one. Take a lavender bath and try and try and like try and calm yourself down. Uh that would be number one. And like and and I don't mean like I don't mean calm as in like forceful. I like as as somebody who has anxiety, when somebody tells me to calm down, I want to tell them to shut up. <laughs> it's just just not like right. So like calm down, you're like, you don't understand. That's not how this works. Like I can't just calm down. You calm down. <laughs> right, exactly. Like I'm not crying, you're crying. So, <laughs> so when it comes to those things, like I'm not saying calm down as in like calm down, it's gonna be fine. I'm saying like do things around you that will elicit a calm response because when you feel like there's so much like chaos happening, maybe like inside when you're anxious, um, or like you know when you're when you're coping with whatever whatever you're trying to overcome telling yourself to calm down won't work and having other people won't like do it is going to really like impact your relationship so you don't want that either but yeah creating an environment that is conducive for like sound mind and body as much as you possibly can like i just like i carry lavender oil in my purse all the time or i'll like even what's really great is like I love Lush. They're great. And they're low waste and they're just it's an awesome company. I've seen but your they, Instagram posts. Dude, they're it's my favorite. Um the, I mean, but like they have a lot of essential oils, so a lot of the things that are like, you know, essential like shampoo and conditioner, like they're also therapeutic, you know, because they have all of those same properties that we would use, you know, in, in healing if you're utilizing aromatherapy. Mm-hmm. Um so just, yeah, creating a life that's conducive for being relaxed, I think is, is really important. Like make it easy for yourself to be relaxed because if you don't, <laughs> like you already have enough to overcome on the inside. So if you can mitigate as much as you can on the outside, that'll do so much. And that's, that's again, where minimalism totally comes in. Right. Yeah. I tell people to find something grounding. So for me, it's like a stone. Like I, I love stones, but I'm not I and I respect people that take their love of stones to these bigger healing realms, but for me it's more like I feel attracted to a certain one, it calms me down and I just keep it with me and I don't try to analyze what it's about or what it means. It's just like you're going to ground me, you're going to be my friend right now, you know. So it can be through oil, it can be through an object, it can be like a necklace, you know, that you touch or even just like a belly breath, but finding that like grounding task can be really powerful. Yeah. One that I really love to use that like kind of, in a way it like kind of gives me chills in a good way. Um, like I just love, I love it when there's like cars and I can hear cars in the background, like in the city, just kind of going by like, and I think it's like, it's a, it's a short, like, I guess mindfulness meditation where like if I can't sleep, I'll just listen to planes and I'll just like, listen to like, I'm like, okay, I'm like, there's a plane going by and there's like a bunch of people on that plane and they're all like, they all have their own story and, and there's things that are happening like outside of this room. And it kind of, in a way, like for me, it makes me more mindful because I'm listening to planes, but then at the same time, it lets my mind wander because I start thinking about like who's in the cars and who's in the planes and where's everyone going. Um, yeah. And actually, like as we speak, I'm like listening to an L train come by. Like I'm in, I'm in <laughs> Chicago, and it's but yeah. it's like those things that like kind of like that like it's so it's so talked about now. Like that, that cause you to really like to be present, and that's really hard to do. Like when you're when you're struggling with your health, because 
you would rather be anywhere but the present because Mm -hmm. it it can be like sometimes, and I'm not saying that's that's always the case, but it can be very challenging because it's so enticing to either like dive into the past in your own mind or dive into the future or not be where you're currently at because it can be hard, but it's actually one of the most calming things. And I find like when I'm avoiding that, when I'm going like from podcast to podcast to work to cooking, like when I'm not stopping – that's when I know there's a problem because Mm -hmm. then I'm like, okay, wait a second. I'm not letting myself be quiet because there's something that I don't want to hear. So. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's that's hard. It's hard and it's hard to stop, especially like if you know you're doing it, but then like if you can force yourself to, like it can really be relieving. Yeah. I tell that to my yoga students, especially when I do a beginner series and people are doing yoga for the very first time. People are caught off guard that once they slow down for the first time and I do like an invitation to tune in, like people instantly will start crying and they'll get this emotional response and they'll like talk to me later like, I'm so sorry, I don't know what happened. And I'm like, you're actually in the exact place you need to be <laughs> because there's so- your body's just been waiting to communicate with you. It's been waiting to to express itself and process in this way. And it just wanted an invitation. So wow. when we can, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And I definitely have felt that many times. Yeah. <laughs> um, but inviting that calmness and making it a part of your day, you know, it's just as important as like brushing your teeth, being able to nurture yourself and your emotional self regularly, giving mm-hmm. it a platform to express itself and to be heard. Yeah, that that whole range of emotion thing is like it's so hard to like when you when you're not familiar with it, it's like oh god, you know, like I wait, I have to allow myself to feel this, you know? <laughs> right. Like, oh my, like cause it's so easy to just want to fight and like push mm-hmm. away, like to push away those bad feelings, you know, cuz you just you just want to be like no. It's all cool. Like I'm just going to the store. I'm just going to the grocery store and I'm gonna get some, some cilantro and lime and I'm gonna like dress this chicken up and like you know, <laughs> like you just kind of want to like be like, no, it's just the day to day. I'm listening to a podcast and, and like and yes, like there is totally a time and place for that. Like not all times are the time for reflection. Like sometimes it's really great to just like watch Seinfeld and just like Yes. To just be like <laughs> I like I just wanna have this experience and it's and it's well, Seinfeld's not mediocre, but it doesn't have to be profound. But like, yeah, but there is a place for those for those profound experiences. And um, yeah, and it's okay to pay attention to that. Like you're not crazy, but it's also, it's also challenging because you don't want to wallow either. Like one of the hardest things that I, I feel like I dealt with when going through this in the very beginning was that I did not want to be a victim. I like, I work very hard to not have a victim mentality. And I wanted to make sure that like, that I wasn't on the losing side of this. And I kind of realized like, yeah, but like you're experiencing a loss. Like you may not be a victim. I mean, maybe a little, but, but you like, you're experiencing a loss and to ignore that is like, I think it's like fatal, like metaphorically, it's kind of fatal because if there's, if you're, if you're not at a loss, you have nothing to win against you know, and it kind of gives you something to fight for. Yeah, definitely. I think that's really powerful. And I've heard from a lot of people and including my own healing, like when I stopped using it as a, to define me or like a victim, that's when change actually happened. It was like, okay, this is a part of who I am, but I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to move forward. Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, let's do this, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes you, I don't know, like, have you ever heard, so like, you know, gorillas, like when they, when they pound on their chest, they're like, they're like, that actually, I don't know what it is, but there, there is a scientific reason that when they pound on their chest, it like kind of gets them ready for that. And, Hmm. um, like for like going to war, you know, there's like something that happens, um, like in the system. And I kind of feel like, yeah, like you have to kind of like elicit that response in yourself too, to say like, I don't know, like authority is a huge thing for me. I'm kind of realizing during this podcast, like that, like 
that I have authority over this, not to be confused with control because um, it's not like that. That's a huge thing too, is like, you have to kind of let go of control and understand that like, you know, because of the fact that like you are a human being and you're not a MacBook, like (laughs) (laughs) it's not going to be, you like, you can't just like force quit. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know? And like, and that, and like, I think having respect for that is really, really good. Like if you can have Mm -hmm. respect for that, like the fact that you can't like, you know, force quit or control delete that you're going to have to kind of like, you're going to have to roll with the punches and it, like I don't think any of this is isolated to like the human body or healing or anything. Like it's when we're talking about healing, we're talking about everything. And whether it's like your career or your love life or your friendships, like I don't know. I think it's all an exercise in being a functioning human being that doesn't go crazy in like the insane world that we live in. Right. Yes. I love what you're saying. (laughs) I think, uh, yeah, healing is everything. It, everything in our life can contribute to our healthy state of mind, or it can diminish our light and add to discomfort. And when we start to really see that and connect those dots, I mean, there's just no denying it. And it can be really powerful to look at it that way because you can then take these baby steps of like, like you were saying earlier, okay, I know I can't, you know, eat this or that, but I can decrease this work stress. I can move to a different place. I can put flowers on my table. I can watch an episode of Seinfeld and just laugh and enjoy my life. It is all a part of it. Yeah, it is. And it's, and and another thing that like, I want to mention, and like, as you're talking about this too, is like, like, I think it's weird. Like, I feel like perfectionists are, like, often the victim of, like, <laughs> of these issues. Like, you know, like, when you're a perfectionist, it really, like, it really eats at you. And it's, like, sometimes you really, like, sometimes you have to be really forgiving with yourself. Like, and that's that's the thing is it's, like, a, it's a constant battle of, like, accepting that, like, accepting that, like, you you will mess up occasionally. And, like, you will you will not always be as disciplined as you'd like to and, like, you're not always going to be the perfect person that you want to be. And, um, and it's especially hard too, because when you look on, speaking of perfection, you know, like you go on Instagram and I'm like, right now I'm following this girl, her, she's great. She, she, she has her, her handle is the Southern Yogi, but I think there's underscores in between, but she like, her posts are beautiful. She posts, uh, like posts about doing yoga and like, she does these incredible handstands. I'm like, man, I'm like, right now I'm on a mission to do a headstand, like, well, a handstand. I'm doing headstands, but I'm not always successful. So, um, but, but it's, yeah, like trying to not be a perfectionist too has been like, been massively helpful in understanding that like every single time is another time that you're trying and like over and over and over again and like mm-hmm. the no end game thing is hard especially for like if you're type a like you're just like, wait a second <laughs> right like it's not black and white like there's a gray mm-hmm. area like that doesn't make no. any sense you know <laughs> yeah. and and that that exists in the medical world it's called broken arms and even then there's a gray area between that and like healing but it's it's complicated. It's not easy. That's worth it. I think like having it come back to that theme of contentment, being content with your current state and mm-hmm. noticing your progress and things like that. Like it makes it easier to look at a yogi doing a, a handstand and like be able to appreciate it and respect it and then like go onto your own mat and do what you can do and be content with that. Yeah. Yeah. And like recognizing your own progress is huge. Like, like, Hey, you know, like I don't, I don't feel X, Y, and Z anymore, you know, or again, like my pinky finger is in solid shape this week, you know, like (laughs) just constantly reminding yourself that like, even though the losses are, are like the loudest, like there are a lot more wins. They just aren't, they're just a little bit quieter sometimes. Have you ever considered being like a pinky model? <laughs> I think I could. Right now I'm wearing a ring by my friend. It's She has a jewelry company called Delusions of Grandeur. I feel like I could probably send her a photo because my pinky is just slamming. <laughs> I'm just saying, embracing what you got, you know, yeah, you can do yeah. something with it. <laughs> 
All right. Well, we could probably talk for like a million more hours on on all the things, but um, I really appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing your journey with me and whoever else is listening. Um, it's just really powerful stuff. And um, I think you have a lot of wonderful things to offer the world. So please keep sharing your journey and hopefully I can have you back on here. Um, Dude, I'd love that. That would be so much fun. <laughs> like anytime we can, I mean, we can just, we can talk about anything. I don't really care. Like I just love to, I just love to talk. So <laughs> we can talk about healing and then we can also talk about like, I don't know. Right now I'm watching Orange is the New Black, so we can go that direction too. <laughs> oh, I have things to say on that. Oh we could gosh. just have like prime time with Jess and Randy. And yeah, that sounds good. Just like in, tangents. Yeah, in between episodes, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank great. you so much for having me on. No, it was like it was really it's interesting to talk about because no, like it's um it can be a very private thing. So it's it's actually yeah. really interesting to talk about and actually like learn a lot. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's really helpful. Um, I've learned a lot already and inspired by you. So, so thank you. Um, if people want to reach out to you, um, partake in what you're offering, how can they do that? Uh, yeah, you can just go to, I'm on, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Jessness. Uh, there's five S's at the end because the girl <laughs> who took, somebody else took one, two, three, and four. So I'm Jessness number five. Um, if you want to get in contact with me there. I also, I, uh, for a while I've been on the Mind Palace podcast. You can go to the mindpalacepodcast.com and there you can uh, listen to episodes between myself and Melissa Kane. We're currently uh, on hiatus. She's actually going back to uh, school right now to be a teacher, and I'm on tour right now, so it's it's really challenging to record. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, there's a great like wealth of knowledge, though. Like even if you're not currently recording, like it's still so worth going back and and binge listening. It's a lot oh, of good great. stuff. Thank you so much. That's so really sweet. We only, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> like I said earlier in the podcast, we could have yammered on for hours, but I'm glad we were able to cover a lot of important and relatable topics within this chat. One of my favorite things she says was that when we are talking about healing, we are talking about everything. There is never just one thing that is going to heal all of our woes. And while some might think that that's a bad thing, I actually think that that's such good news. It means there are so many things we can do to contribute to feeling better, to continue to move forward to keep cultivating a deeper and more satisfying relationship with all of who we are. Join me next week where we continue to move forward with the magical season of autumn in mind. I'll discuss all of my favorite autumnal self-care practices, so be sure to check back for that. Until then, you can follow my self-care adventures on Instagram at naturallyrandyk or head over to my website naturallyrandyk.com. That's naturally, R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y dot com to subscribe to my free weekly newsletter, get more self-care tools, or inquire about working one-on-one with me through my self-care mentoring program. And if you do have a moment, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Like I said, it makes a big difference and I would love to hear your thoughts on what you've been enjoying and what self-care topics you would like to hear in the future. Until next time, take good care and enjoy the journey.